0: Some of you know that I uh, ran the Chicago Marathon last week, and I've I've done it before, but I uh, was concerned this year because I've been dealing with some knee pain. To which a lot of you would just say, "Don't run." But um, my physical therapist said she gave me her okay, and I I really did okay. I finished. I wasn't sure I'd finish, so. um, um, uh, But I appreciate your your prayers and encouragement and your interest. I didn't go very fast. Actually, it was kind of fun. Actually, I got I was about mile 22 and. I realized I could finish if I walked, and I didn't wasn't trying to beat any records, so I just I walked about most of the last four to five miles, and uh, it was actually uh, kind of fun. Um, so probably you thought that I would kind of rearranged the, the the sermon series to speak of pain uh, in light of my uh, having run the marathon. <laughs> And actually, my knee is actually doing okay. It, it, it's it's not any worse than it was before. Um, but I actually I did not choose the topic of pain. Um, um, and actually, I I chose the pain. Actually, some of you are sitting there thinking that anyway. So it would be really not fair for me to discuss my pain. My pain is not the topic today. There's plenty of other members in our congregation that are are dealing with uh, much worse pain. Prayed for Chris during prayer this morning and. Uh, Chris has been in terrible pain uh, with this degenerating hip, and so, uh, and then and then the surgery itself caused quite a deal, quite a lot of pain. She's been dealing with a lot, and we just trust God that full healing will come there. Pat Mueller, who is our office administrator, been part of the church for over thirty years, has had terrible neck and back pain, and had a procedure this week to try to deaden some of that pain. And when I talked to her today, she said it's better. It's not all gone, but it's better. Dealing with with a lot of pain, and then there are The other kinds of pain. There are the deeper pains that may manifest physically. We may have a really bad headache, but it's because of some other things that are going on in life. We may be lacking in sleep and struggling when it has to do with some other things. There's emotional pain that goes deep, and they come from some deeper places. There's people dealing with grief. Today is the day some of our members particularly grieve heavily. Well, losses that have happened in the last week, losses that have happened in the last several years. There's the pain that comes from broken relationships. I talked to another member this week who was really at the point I talked to her very much hurting for her adult children and some of the bad choices that they are making as, as a couple and as a family. And, and it pains her to see the consequences they are facing from what she believes are some bad choices of how they spend their time and their money and where their values are, and that she can't do anything about it, it seems. I talked to another member this week whose young adult child is really, is reeling from a very painful relationship breakup with a lot of different layers to it that make it more complicated than a simple breakup. We bear the pain of our our children. We bear the pain of our aging parents, so many that are struggling with that. And so those are the kind of pains that we We need to see in our own midst, in our own church family as well. And even as I deal with a little bit of physical pain, I'm reminded that I, I can't let that distract me. I can't get wrapped up so much in my own hurts. We do need to be in touch with our own physical pain. We need to be in touch with our own emotional pain and some of those deep things. We need to deal with it and keep it in perspective. But we also understand in the midst of it sometimes that God is giving it to us so that we might see better those around us that are having the same kinds of struggles or similar ones. There's a danger sometimes of focusing only on our own pain and keeping us from seeing then the pain of others around us and around the world. And Jesus calls us to see that kind of pain too. This is part of the shift that we're talking about. To see the pain that's around us, to move towards it with compassion and when we're able to move towards it with caring action. It's a shift from self to others. It's that same shift we have to make in so many areas, isn't it? We're so prone to to hear that we need to shift to get our focus outside and look to others. It's a shift that scriptures call us to, both in the Old Testament and New Testament. Shift is this theme that we're working with this fall of, of making shifts in how we live our lives that we might be more like Jesus. I hope you enjoyed uh, Tim Saccone last week. Tim is the one really who came up with this series as a response to, uh, to, to Chick, the conference that many of our youth went to last summer. Tim is passionate about this and, and part of the Make a Deep in Disciples team uh, of the Evangelical Covenant Church, of which Megan is part, Women Ministries, Children's Ministries, uh, uh, Wilson Herrera from our church, Hispanic Ministries, part of this team of people focusing on how can we live more effectively into who God's called us to be, to be the disciples he's called us to be and to be more like Jesus. And so what we've been saying each week as we've talked about this theme of shift is that the journey of discipleship moves us in the direction of becoming more like Jesus. What shifts are needed? What shifts are needed in our perspectives on God, ourselves, each other, pain today, and the world to help us on our way? And the needed shift today is on this theme of pain and the call to compassion and mercy and justice. And we get some help with this shift from a very familiar Bible guy, the Good Samaritan. I would dare say even people that don't know the New Testament very well have probably heard of the Good Samaritan. At least they know some hospitals that are named after him and some ministries uh, on the roadways that are named after him. But here we get a little bit of help from the Good Samaritan. So today the parable of the Good Samaritan moves us in the direction of justice, really, as it helps shift our concern not only upward toward God, but outward toward those who are hurting. So let's see what the Good Samaritan can help us with today. He's going to help us look at, first of all, a shift of our hearts towards those who are in pain. Secondly, it's the feet shift, not of just feeling it and feeling badly, but actually taking some action and moving towards those in need. And then there's this issue of the neighbor. Who is my neighbor? And it might shift a little bit what we think about that as well the story begins with an expert of the law asking jesus what it takes to inherit eternal life and jesus answers with a question of his own as jesus often did asking an expert what his understanding of the law is what is the summary of the law and the guy gives the right answer the answer is love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself and jesus goes correct wouldn't that be fun to have jesus ask you a question and then you answer and jesus goes got it you know Yes! And so they, you know, this expert in the law is like, I got the right answer. This is so cool. And uh, he, he's answered it. And he, he got the whole thing. Jesus summarized the law that way, that it's upward towards God, and then it's outward towards others. But Jesus, of course, doesn't leave it there. He pushes it a little bit further. And Jesus knows the motives behind what the this expert in the law is asking. And it actually says here, or at least the interpretation by Luke is that in trying to justify himself, he has perhaps drawn a little bit of a tighter circle around just who his neighbor is. And the text then says, but seeking to justify himself, the man says, who is my neighbor? Trying to kind of keep it to a place that's manageable. He got the right answer with Jesus. Now he wants to make sure that he's really living into it in the ways that he's defined it. We can often be like that expert. We like to say who our neighbor is and who our neighbor isn't. And if we can do that, then we can stay comfortable and not enter into the lives of those who hurt or only those with whom we might be comfortable who are hurting. It is in response to this question then that Jesus tells this masterful story that outlines two things we need to do in order to make today's shift, and that is the heart shift and the feet shift. And part of this heart shift is an awareness, an awareness of being able to see beyond ourselves. According to the story, a man was beaten by robbers and left half dead. Three people came upon the scene and saw the man a priest, a Levite who was like a temple official, and a Samaritan. Each person saw the hurting man. Each person saw that there was a hurting person in pain. But the responses, obviously, were each quite different. The first two, the priest and the Levite, passed by the man on the other side of the road, probably aware of what had happened, but not seeing beyond themselves, not seeing to the pain that this person was experiencing on the side of the road. Now, there's lots of stories. If you've been in church for very, very long, you're probably going, I know this story, so I've heard... So. You, could, you could stand up here and preach a much better sermon than the Good Samaritan, I bet, today. And you've heard a lot of interpretations about why the priest went by and why the Levite went by, that they were too busy and that they were unclean and all that. But the experts of the law who were listening to Jesus, those who are spanning around, were listening and going, well, we might expect that from a priest... They're very busy, and they have to keep clean. We might expect that from a Levi. We kind of get annoyed with them. But the experts in the law, or basically the Pharisees are probably who they were, were kind of going, oh, we can't wait for the punchline, because number three is going to be who stopped. The Pharisee probably really pulled through and did this. What would you expect from a priest or a Levi? Surely the next person will be a Pharisee, and he will do what is right, is kind of what their expectation was in their awareness and in their world. But much to their surprise, the third person was a despised Samaritan. Jews did not think well as Samaritans. Samaritans were, were, not only were they foreign, but they were, they were actually closer. They were half-breeds, which made them even more despised to the Jewish people. They had a, a half-breed Jewish identity, and they had a kind of a half-breed Jewish faith that was mixed with other faiths as well. And that just made them so annoying and despised that they had nothing to do with them. So for the hero to be a Samaritan was a great shock to Jesus' listeners. What was the difference between the Samaritan and the first two? Jesus saw that the man, quote, Jesus said that the man quote took pity on him. The Samaritan saw and was aware and in getting beyond himself his heart was moved. The Samaritan in this text displayed compassion. He made a heart shift towards this one who had been beaten up. And this is the heart shift that we need as well. Our hearts need to be moved with compassion for those who are hurting. We need this awareness that sees beyond ourselves and asks, why and what can I do? The heart shift that we need is in the direction of Jesus' heart. We need to have the heart of Jesus, which is a heart of compassion. Seeing the need, the hurt, and the feeling, and then feeling it deep inside. Well, that's easy to say, pastor. That sounds like something very pastory that you would say. Have the heart of Jesus. How do we do that? How do we get to that place? Well, first of all, it it, it takes this relationship with Christ. We need to, if we want to be more like him, it would probably be good to hang out with him more often, right? And so spending time with Jesus. But then also asking that he would change our heart. We can do that. We can spend time and say, Lord, I I realize that I am turned inward too much. I need a better vision. I need to see better those who are in pain around me. And we can ask him to give us that, and he will do it. We can ask even very specifically and intentionally. We can say, Lord, help me to see more. Help me to hear more. As I hear people speak, help me to understand where the pain might be below what they're saying. Even when they say when you ask them, how are you? Oh, I'm doing fine, thank you. Help me to hear in the midst of the fine thank you where they might not be after all. We can be very intentional in that prayer and say, Lord, take away my assumptions. Take away my tendency to just take things on face value and not to listen more carefully. Lord, take away my biases and prejudices. When I see certain people in pain, help me not to always just have that go-to. Well, they asked for it. Well, they made bad choices. Well, they... That stupid pastor ran a marathon. Of course his knee is going to hurt. Help me to take away those biases and prejudices. I'm not stupid. I'm smart. (laughs) Seriously, back to help me to see the hurt. Help me to feel it in my heart. This may mean slowing down a little bit. This may mean listening a little more closely to a co-worker as they share about a weekend. This might mean reading the news a little bit beyond a sensational Headline, blame somebody, and letting our hearts connect and asking Jesus to work that compassion in our heart, that we might just be better equipped. We might be a little more equipped to make that heart shift. In the Good Samaritan story, though, there is more than heart feeling, there's also action. There's a call here to a, a feet shift, the feet. The heart would speak of our feeling and feeling a compassion, not just emotionally, but feeling it deep inside. But feet really speaks of taking action. A more active word for compassion would be mercy, for example. Have mercy. Do something to help me. Mercy is responding to a need. And this is where the heart of compassion is moved to action. And when the good Samaritan took pity on the man, it says, he acted, he bandaged, bandaged his wounds, he cleaned them up. He used his donkey to take the man to find lodging. He even paid for the lodging. And then he said to the innkeeper, I'll come back if there's any extra charges. <laughs> you could do that back then, apparently. You could promise that you'd come back and pay for anything more. I don't think that would happen today. Well, they'd just keep your credit card on file. But he went the distance. He acted. He, he met the need. It's seeing a need of compassion and mercy and then taking some action to make a difference and do it. I was thinking about as a church, we are, we are acting in, in response to certain needs through our, our, our mission partnerships. There's enormous needs around us, just in Naperville, let alone in the Chicago area. And yet we, we've picked and, and, and tried to choose a few places where we could at least have some kind of an impact. We know that things have shifted and that the city is not just where the poverty is and that the suburbs aren't all affluence, but it is mixed and, and, and therefore poverty has moved in the suburbs. And we know that even in Somewhat affluent Naperville, there's all kinds of issues of homelessness and pain behind it that has caused it. And so therefore, we've built a partnership with Bridge Communities. We have trained mentors that spend time with our client every week to help them get back on their feet, get out of homelessness, and and get on their own. And while well, that's just a few mentors, a lot of us can be involved on in Sleep Out Saturday in a couple weeks when we raise money, and we not just raise money, but we build awareness of what causes homelessness and what it is and, and how complex the factors are and how the fix isn't simply get somebody into an apartment. The fix is, more, is deeper than that, and so we build awareness by that on that. It's a way that we're trying to address that kind of a need and, and show some compassion and mercy and, and, and make a feet shift in the direction of doing something. Did you know that every week there's a team of Naperville Covenant members who shift their feet in the direction of Alden Care Center? It's not very far away. I saw them come in just as service was starting. There's a team that goes every single week that shifts their feet in the directions of the Alden Care Center, showing love and compassion to senior adults in nursing care, worshiping with them, listening to them, helping them know the love of Jesus in very real, one-on-one, face-to-face, practical ways. It is truly a ministry of compassion and mercy to those who are struggling with health, and some in the later years of their life, most of them. Compassion and mercy taking steps direction. Let our feet shift in the direction of compassion. Over 80 children in the Democratic Republic of Congo have captured the hearts and the feet of people here in Naperville Covenant. Our monthly financial support is providing great improvements in their living conditions for water, education, health. But the relationships that are established as we pray for and we correspond with these children who are real people, isn't that great? That's what I love. It's come alive. It's like, that's a real kid with a real family, with real joys and really deep needs. And so we try to get a little bit connected with our acts of mercy and compassion. But Scripture also calls us from the responses of compassion and mercy of helping in an immediate need to move towards addressing the causes of hurt. And that's what we would call justice. Justice is addressing the causes of the hurt. I know I probably shared the story, the parable of the river with you before, but it fits here and I'm going to do it again. This is the story of a a village beside a a, a swift-moving river. And, and one day the villagers walk out and see that a, a body has washed down. They're, they're alive, but they're, they've been washed down the river and they're bruised and they're bleeding and they're hurting. And so they haul this person out of the river and they bandage him up and they take care of him and try to get him back to health. And then they notice that it happens the next day again. And, and then it's a couple people and day after day, it seems the river seems washing these people up along next to their village. And so they, they come to them and they do everything they can to bandage the wounds and to take care of them and get them on their feet. But finally a day comes when somebody says, we need to go up river and find out what's happening up there. Who is throwing them in the river? What are the causes of this? What's behind this? And that's what some of us has used as a way to explain the difference between compassion and mercy of helping those who are bruised and bleeding and justice says we've got to fix the thing that's causing the hurt as well. An Old Testament text that speaks to this full orbed response of God's people it was the first one that Rose read this morning from Micah 6, eight. For those of you who are familiar with the campus at North Park University, you know that place in the commons where there's scriptures on the four corners on those benches. And Micah 6.8 is an important one into the North Park community and the greater covenant community too because it summarizes so well what God is asking of us. It comes in a text in a passage where the people have been, been disobedient and God has tried to call them back through the prophet Micah. And they think if they just go to church and if they do do good churchy things, they'll be okay. And, and the prophet Micah, or God says to the prophet, you know what is good. You know what God requires of you. Do you know what God requires of you? But to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. One of the five priorities of the Evangelical Covenant Church and our mission in the world now is to love mercy and to do justice. To love mercy and to do justice. And to do it in a relationship with God. Not just as do-gooders, but as those who are walking humbly with the one holy, awesome God. Justice moves us in the direction of the hurts, It moves us even to the causes. Covenant Kids Congo moves in the direction of justice. It moves in the direction of empowering and and building up rather than just uh, giving relief. Relief says, you're hungry now, here's some food. Relief says, you need money, here's some money. Relief says, there's there's material poverty, let's alleviate uh, material poverty. But justice moves beyond it to say, what's causing it and what can we do there? And that's what the beauty of Covenant Kids Congo. It's not just money to the child and her or his family, but it's to the community to build schools, to improve health, to improve education, to improve the infrastructure so that the whole community rises its standard of living and that there's a strengthening and empowering for that community, that they're not just the needy that we help. It's why I, really why I do run. I run for an organization called Rise International. It's working to build schools in Angola to overcome the injustice of 27 years of an ugly civil war in Angola that did away with everything, following on the heels of 500 years of an oppressive colonialism. It's an injustice, and we're trying to fix it by getting kids educated and on their feet and empowered to rebuild their nation themselves rather than receiving handouts from us. That's justice. Our relationship with men, I love how our relationship with Wyman and Chicago is developing. Because it's one of mutuality. It's not just the rich Naperville people helping the poor Lawndale people. They're actually teaching us probably more than we're teaching them. We're learning things together. We're learning that poverty is not just the material poverty. Yes, the kids that we're getting to know in Lawndale have a deeper material poverty than we do in Naperville on the average. But we're learning that there is also social poverty in broken communities. Broken communities in Lawndale and a brokenness even in our community in Naperville. We're finding out that that brokenness and that social poverty leads to systemic injustices uh, where there is a, a poverty of spirit in both communities as well. There's a spiritual poverty in Naperville just as there is in Lawndale, and so we're learning uh, and working together. There's also the ongoing reality impact of racism in new and different forms, and these real relationships that we're forging with, with Y-Men are helping us to understand each other better. We're learning from and with each other. We're working to correct injustices in their community by empowering young adults to make a difference. But they're encouraging us to understand a bigger picture of what God's doing too. And then also right here at Naperville Covenant, our own, yes, deliberate and slow, but deliberate action in moving towards better understanding and experiencing Racial righteousness and what that means for us in our church family as God blesses us with a, a growing diversity. What does it mean? What does God want us to learn? In a world where racism keeps getting more complex and, and confusing and painful in some ways, what can we as a church with the gospel at our center understand what it means to live together and to serve God together? It is requiring each of us to make some, some shifts. We need to, to, to watch. We need to see and understand pain without having a quick response. We need to shift our hearts to a better understanding of what God is doing in and through us. And we need to shift our feet to move towards each other and with each other towards others who are hurting as well. We need to move toward those who are called neighbors in this Good Samaritan story. Which leads us to one more shift, the neighbor shift. The parable had a shocking conclusion for the expert in the law. It turned out he kind of got caught. Here, this guy that thought he was so cool that he got a you-did-right-from-Jesus realizes he's been caught and hoping to get by with or get away with just simply loving the lovable. He could no longer continue to, to pick and choose who his neighbor was in order to remain comfortable. Jesus made clear that there were no longer tidy boundaries for defining our neighbor. It just might be your enemy that you're called to love or it just might be those disgusting low-life Samaritans. Yikes. It's easiest to read that story and set it aside, but we need to see where this happens for us too. Sometimes we find it's easier to love those who are the victims of, uh, of catastrophes or, or, or the people uh, who have lost loved ones in the latest plane crash or, 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 or uh, the latest storm or the, the victims of terrorist activities in the Middle East. Sometimes our hearts may more, go more quickly there than to the local needs that are right around us. Are we willing to engage with the hurts that are right around us? Are we willing to stop and to listen? Are, we really, really listen? are we willing to get beyond sort of the annoying sometimes behavior or, or chatter of a friend at school or a coworker, and get behind what seems to be annoying us and saying, what's going on here that God might want me to address and to love in this person? It's easy to love those out there. It's easy to love those that we love. It says that in Scripture too. It's easy to love those you love. (laughs) What about those that sometimes challenge us a little bit, that we're not sure how to get past, we're not even sure how to initiate a conversation. Jesus pushes us to to make a neighbor shift beyond the comfortable. Jesus pushes us to make a a neighbor shift beyond the easy to love. And he pushes us by asking this question, who is my neighbor? And the answer is we don't get to choose. (laughs) We don't get to choose who our neighbor is. But we do get to love our neighbor. And who is our neighbor? The answer may be unexpected. It might be uncomfortable. It might be surprising. And we need to ask God to give us the eyes to see who that neighbor is in pain and who's hurting. To ask God to help us see those who are hurt around us and to see even the causes of hurt. The neighbor shift means asking God to cause a shift in our feet and in our heart. You know that song that we sing sometimes? In fact, we're closing with it later. There's one line that says, break my heart for what breaks yours. I think that summarizes for us sometimes. To ask God, to just say, God, help me to see the things that are breaking your heart and then help my own heart to break as well. What will break our hearts? I don't know if you've noticed the table last few weeks. It's a a beautiful display of... The grapes from our first week when we talked about the vine and the branches and the light. But today there's, uh, do you see what's up here? Does anybody know what these are? These are bandages. Well, actually they're ripped sheets. Um, and these are bandages. For years, um, covenant women, that's what they were called then, rolled bandages and sent them to Congo, to the hospitals there. And for years they were used in the hospital in Karawa and the clinics around uh, the northwest part of Congo where our ministry work is. And they were used really to bind up wounds. Bind up wounds. And um, a shift has had, has had to come in, in, in recent years, in the last couple years, in terms of what happens to these bandages. It's really great to get together to roll these. It's really great to pack them up and send them off. It's really, really expensive to get them to Congo now. It costs $30,000 to send one container of these, now the big shipping containers, to Congo now. And so we've had to shift a little bit what we do. But I, I have them here today to show you that they're still getting rolled, <laughs> but also as a little bit of a symbol here. These are used to, to, to bind up wounds. And there's a text, it's in Isaiah 61, and Jesus repeats it himself in Luke chapter 4. Where it says, the sovereign Lord is upon me as he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. The spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. And so I want these, first of all, to be a symbol of that, of God's call for us to shift our ability to see pain. Not just the physical pain that a bandage can help but the brokenhearted who need God's binding up and may need us to be connected. But the bandages also this morning uh, symbolize a shift from compassion and mercy to justice as well, in a way. One of the reasons that we stopped sending bandages uh, was because of the cost. Another is realizing that the money, rather than the $30,000 for the container, that that $30,000 can do an awful lot in a community in Congo to empower primarily women. It's usually women, women's work that it's going to. But providing microloans, helping them get on their feet in terms of a business, educating their children, raising the standard level for their, living for their children and empowering them to make a difference for their family and therefore which affects the community. And sorry, guys, but you raise the level of women and the level of the community goes up. Guys, not necessarily, but that's what it's doing. So they also are a symbol of moving from compassion, let's bind a wound, to empowerment of what can we do to raise the level there too. But I want to leave us with the question first, uh, just as we go, of asking God right now, what, what are the things that break our heart? As we look and we see the things around the world, the pain around the world, what are the things that break our heart? Lord, we do ask that you would soften these hearts, open these eyes, Clear out these ears and give us new ways to see what's going on around us, in our own community and around the world. Protect us, Lord, from being overwhelmed, and rather, Lord, help us to see places where pain is real and to see places where we can move towards it. We do ask you, Lord, to break our hearts for the things that break yours. And then send your spirit, Lord, to empower us to do what we can to address the needs. We pray it in your name.